Secret Library podcast is brought to you in part by our incredible Patreon community. It's been growing over season two, and I must say a huge thank you to all of you who have joined the Patreon this season, as well as those of you who have been with us for the long haul. It means so much when people sign up to support the show. It's been a labor of love for four years now. And whenever we get a new Patreon, uh, we do a big dance around the around the house because it means so much. So thank you to everyone who signed up, who's in there now. And if you want to stay connected between seasons, you can do so at patreon.com slash secret library. This is the Secret Library Podcast, and this is your solo episode wrapping up season two. So I won't do a whole bio of myself um, because it's just you and me today, and I'm going to be wrapping us up on the topic of revision. So I wanted to start by giving you a little bit of an overview about my revision journey, my revision experience over time, and what caused me to choose revision as the theme for this season. Um, I have found that for years, revision was my writing Achilles heel. And even after completing NaNoWriMo, I think five or six times, and getting all 50,000 words down, completing the draft, doing the whole thing, and then going into writing workshops even with books I was working on, I found that revision felt enormous. It felt overwhelming. It felt scary. It felt like something I couldn't handle. And it stopped me completely for almost 10 years. And this is the reason that I wanted to focus on this subject, because if anyone else has been having the same experience, I wanted to provide information, input, resources, and mindset for revision so that it wouldn't stop you from finishing your book. It's, it's kind of the final frontier, at least that's how it felt to me. It felt like, okay, I can come up with an idea. I can bang away at the keyboard or scribble away in a notebook for months or weeks or years and get a story down. But I know that there's something missing in this draft. I know that there's something that's not what I want it to be. And the story still feels far away from this beautiful idea that showed up in my head at the beginning. And so I, I didn't know how to bridge that gap. I didn't know how to make the book the book I wanted it to be in the beginning. I didn't, it felt like it, the, the skill set was beyond me. And so I, you know, I flailed around for years. And then after starting The Secret Library, I realized I was shying away from the topic a little bit when I had Sarah Selecki on for the second time, and she happened to be revising the book that we now know as Radiant Shimmering Light. And the discussion that we had in that episode about revision was the first time that it started to feel like it might possibly someday be able to be fun. 
There were school supplies involved. There were printouts of calendars, laying details out on it. It's just, it just felt manageable for the first time. It felt like, oh, I can do that. I can print a calendar. I can lay out the timeline of the book. I can look at places that are missing. And so that was probably in the first year of the show, if not the first year and a half. And I was already working on my novel in earnest, but I think I was dragging my heels a bit, finishing it because I didn't know what was going to happen next. I didn't know how I was going to take it from this sort of sketchy beginning of an idea that I'd had in 2016 and turn it into a book I would be proud of and a book that I could submit somewhere. So after working with Sarah, I flailed around for another probably year and a half before I had another guest on the show, uh, who was Simon Van Bui. And he was on to talk about a collection of short stories he had written. And then I read the stories and then we had our conversation and you can hear the episode it was the same conversation that I was having. You get to hear it as part of that first episode. And I felt like this person understands the kind of writing I'm trying to do. There was the fact that he thought about art history, that he thought about all kinds of references and listening to people and understanding their, their stories, which had transformed into his collection, The Sadness of Beautiful Things. And it was kind of revolutionary to think, oh, here's somebody who understands what I'm trying to do. I, I hope that I can have another conversation with this person. So I was so excited after recording that episode that I looked up on his website and saw that, oh, he works with writers. Oh, huh. That never occurred to me to do that. So I reached out to his assistant and then she responded that, yes, he would love to work with me. And so we started working together. And so over the course of 2019, I had someone else looking at my draft for the first time. I had showed the sections of the novel, but much earlier versions of it when it was still, it was originally in third person, which I prefer to write in, but it became clear that this book needed to be in first, which I don't like to write in, but have learned how through the course of working on it. And I figured that out early on when working with Simon, that that was working better and sent some of these pages over for him to look at and felt ill for many days waiting for a response, thinking that I was going to get a response along the lines of, oh, um, you know, maybe, maybe you're not meant to write fiction. Maybe that's not, maybe it's not going to happen for you, but that's okay. You can do other stuff. You're a nice interviewer. Um, that was my fear. Um, that's not what he said. So that was very reassuring. And we plowed ahead on the book and I finished that draft of the book in November of 2019. And halfway through that year was when I decided, oh, I cannot run a weekly podcast and finish this novel and give the novel the attention that I want to and do a good job. And I was feeling out of integrity, which you've all heard about, that I couldn't have a show about finishing your book if I was not finishing my book. That felt dishonest to myself and also to the listeners. 
So we transformed the show into a season-based format, which you are now getting to the end of. And I finished that draft in November of 2019. So it made perfect sense to me at that point that the next thing I was going to be thinking about in terms of writing was revision. And so selfishly, I wanted to talk to people about how do you revise? How do you deal with revision? Because it still had this weight to it. It still had this heavy, slightly intimidating feeling about it of, oh, this is when you make the book good. Simon gave me all kinds of pep talks about, oh yes, this is wonderful. You have the foundation. Now you're going to just, now you're going to make it yours, you know, and these kinds of positive things. And I wanted to believe him, but I wasn't quite sure. And so I was fortunate enough to find a course, which is still offered, um, through Curtis Brown. They have a series of novel courses, all of which are really nice courses, and a, a client of mine recommended it. So I decided to sign up for their Revise and Pitch Your Novel course. And so I spent late January through right on the eve of Corona in a weekly course with them, which was both about, okay, here's how to organize a rewrite and here's how to pitch an agent and to prepare a package, which I really was, you know, nervous about doing for this book. So it was wonderful to have all of that information. I was a bit um, overwhelmed, I guess, because there was so much to do. And so I didn't manage to get all of it done in the time. It was like a nice overview of these are the steps that you need to take. But I felt like, okay, I think I mostly get it. And then I had been thinking, okay, I think I need to take some time away from teaching, which I've been doing for the past year and a half. I need to take some time away from that and really just dive into this book. And I've been thinking that in like February, early March, and I went to London for the London Book Fair, which didn't happen. And, and then Corona hit. And so I came back from London to Berlin, arrived here on the 14th of March, and I have been in, you know, sheltering at home ever since. And it was, you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster like it has for many people. But the thing that has happened is that I had done all of the research I could possibly do on revision going into this time. I had interviewed, you know, the, the done the 14 interviews for this season, plus this episode. I had read tons of books on editing. I had taken a course. I had spoken to everybody. And so it, it really felt like, okay, well, there's no more messing around. I'm going to have to actually get into this. And I wanted to fill in the gaps that were still missing, that, that weren't quite clear as to how I was going to transition from the idea of revision that I had gotten in the Curtis Brown course to actually doing the revision and what was that going to feel like. There still felt like there was a space in between those two places. So I set up for myself, I, I had sort of a a whim, basically, that I would try going on Instagram Live, even though I don't love being on camera. Um, I'm over 40. <laughs> I prefer to be on audio, but I said, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. 
and see if anybody wants to check in about their writing process over this time. And we'll see what happens. And so the quarantine writers retreat started eight weeks ago. We just finished our eighth week as I'm recording this. And I was amazed at the community that came together in this time and how excited people were to start writing during this period where we're all kind of unhinged from our regular routines and our regular distractions and our regular kind of ways of moving around in the world. I mean, some people are certainly far more burdened in this time than they are in other times. You know, anyone who's working in healthcare, anyone who's working in medicine of any kind, even veterinary medicine, um, are inundated. Anyone who is a parent and doesn't have school, camp, or babysitters, or anyone available is also inundated. So lots of things have changed for everyone. But what I have seen is that anyone, regardless of their circumstances, and I've seen them from all of these categories and more, is suddenly thinking, oh, I've been telling myself my whole life that if I ever just had some time or I could get away from my everyday routine, then I would write my book. And we've just been presented with those circumstances exactly. And so I have been getting loads more engagement on Instagram, loads more responses to my newsletter, just more people reaching out in a really beautiful way, thinking about writing as a real question now. Is this something I can actually do? And my answer is yes, it is. It is something that you can do. It's something that we all do. We all communicate in writing every single day. And yet there is a bridge between communicating in writing, taking our feelings and experiences and transforming them into writing, which we do all the time, and doing so in service of a story, whether that's a memoir or a nonfiction book or a novel. There's a, there's a slight difference in how that happens. And there are skills involved. There is structure involved. There are rules like there, there are in any art form. But these are all things that you can learn if you take the time, pay attention, and you aren't, you're more invested in learning and transforming than you are in being right. I think that my biggest piece of advice about revision and about writing in general is that you want to let go of any investment you have in any of your writing. It sounds very strange, but to finish a book, you have to let go of attachment to all of the words that you're writing. The example that I can give is when I first saw um, Diana Gabaldon speak, who wrote all of the Outlander books, she was asked the question, well, what happens when you write a scene and then you do some research into the history and find out that the history isn't, you know, makes whatever you wrote impossible? You know, what do you do? You've written this whole scene. And she said, well, they're just words. I mean, I can write more. And I've never forgotten that. And it's something that I've tried to hold as my mantra 
they're just words. I can always write more. So if the, even if there's a scene that you love, if it doesn't fit, if there's an element of your story that's not working or something that doesn't fit, just remember they're just words and you can write more. And that's really what the heart of revision has become for me is taking stock of the words I've written, figuring out which ones work, getting rid of the ones that don't, and then writing new ones. And it's a little bit like there's this mathematical principle, and you will find out exactly how mathematically literate I am by the fact that I don't know the name of this principle. But I remember learning about it once, which is if you stand opposite a wall and you walk halfway to the wall, the first time you do that, that's a fairly, you know, it's a bigger distance. But then when you go halfway again towards the wall, it's a smaller distance. And every time you go halfway to the wall, as you get closer and closer, it's smaller and smaller steps that you're taking. And you never quite get all the way to the wall, but there is a point when it's impossible to go, you know, a hundredth of a millimeter in order to actually cut it in half. And to me, that's very much what writing and rewriting and revision is about, you know, you have a first draft when you have this idea and you feel like you're very, very, very far from what you wanted the book to look like and what you hoped the book would look like and and what it felt like and how sparkly it was in your mind when the idea appeared. And so you revise and you rewrite and that's your first big step and you get halfway to the point That's, you know, you get halfway to the book you wanted it to be. And then you revise, you work with a read, you know, an editor, you work with beta readers, you know, all of these things and you get notes and you think about it and you do more research and you read about craft and do whatever it is you do. And then you go back through and then you take another step and you're getting halfway to it. Now you're never going to be able to merge the book that appeared in your mind when you first had the idea with the actual book on the page. That's impossible but you can get close and you can end up with something that's different than what you expected that you even like more. I have had major things change in this novel as I've worked on it, but I think every change I've made and every time I've let go of being really invested in the way it was and the way I wrote it the first time, the book has improved every time. And it's still changing now. I mean, I spoke to Simon, my editor, yesterday, and we had a whole chat about it. And I talked about where it was now. And it was really different than the last time he saw it. Um, Some things are the same, but there are some things that are quite different. And, you know, we still talk about it. And he said, well, what about this? And I thought, oh, if I did that, then I could do this, this, this. So it's still changing as I'm rewriting, even as I'm 40,000 words out of 70,000 in the rewrite, which I'll finish at the end of May. So you have to hold the form loosely while feeling completely invested in the fact that it has a right to exist and that it is inevitably going to end up on the page. So as I got really clear about my desire to make this happen, my investment in the book, all of these pieces... I then started to gather my tools and I wasn't entirely certain this is what I was doing, but I was showing up every day on Instagram live, slightly terrified that I would have nothing to say, but knowing that it helped me to report to these wonderful people who show up all the time 
and thank you to all of them who are listening. You really, really made a difference to me and you still do. I would show up and tell them what I had done that day and report back. And I was creating systems based on the principles that I had learned and all of the research I had done on revision, but I was turning it into a system. I hadn't ever been presented with a system per se. I've been given little methods here and there, but there wasn't like an overview of like, this is how you do it. And granted, there are as many ways to do anything as there are people doing them. But I was testing things and seeing how they worked for me. And so I went through the whole map of the book that I had made and I looked at all of the scenes that I felt were missing and I looked at the plot threads that I had and where they were maybe a little bit out of order, where they were maybe tangled up a little bit like a ball of yarn and started to untangle them and lay them out. And I tried different kinds of software that promised to, to help, you know, organize your rewrite or to help chart it out for you. And some of them worked and and some of them were not that helpful. And some of them, um, I worked on for several days and then lost all of my work. And that was not a great day, but, um, I, I learned every time something didn't work. I learned even more when things didn't work as I did than I did when it did. So I, I figured out how to create a map that laid out this process of this revision. I figured out how I wanted to track it. I figured out how to motivate myself. And most importantly, I figured out how to set goals that worked for a revision. And the method that we've come up with in the Quarantine Writers Retreat is to steal some, steal some inspiration from the tech world. And that looked like breaking everything down into two week sprints. And this was very much about the way the world is right now, because when this first started in mid-March, you know, a, a month felt like a year or longer. Everything was changing every single day. So the farthest I could get in terms of thinking ahead was a week, maybe two. So I said, okay, I'm just going to set a goal. We're going to do some sprints. We're going to be like tech companies and let's all set a goal and we'll just hold that goal for two weeks and then we can change it. And you only have to have it for two weeks and you can adjust it if you need to. And so that was how we started. And it was really working for people, which was wonderful. And it was also the idea that we're all told on some level or another, or, or somehow in the water or our education system or whatever it is, there is this belief that people absorb that humans are fundamentally lazy and unmotivated and that we cannot trust ourselves to accomplish anything. And that what's needed is a very stern taskmaster kind of approach. And this looks like setting extremely large goals and then slave driving ourselves to get those goals made and getting them done. And I have found that that does not work. And in fact, it is more damaging than helpful. And what I've found helps instead through these two week sprints is that the way you need to set goals for revision, and it could also be for writing, or this could be for anything in life, frankly, is that the way to set a goal is to make it meaningful yet manageable. And only you 
can determine what's meaningful to you. How much would you want to have done in two weeks that would feel like, wow, that's great. And yet it's manageable for you to do it. Because what I've found in working with clients and with myself is that if you have a goal that it feels like you can only accomplish on a special day when everything is going right and you've slept well and you know you're you're feeling healthy and you're in a good mood and you ate the perfect breakfast and it's sunny or a particular situation and you're wearing a certain outfit you know if all of these things are necessary and only if they all come together in the right way can you accomplish that goal that goal is useless to you because you're going to put it off and you're not going to do it because you're going to say, oh God, okay, it'll be better tomorrow. I'll try it tomorrow. And what I found was that the people who set those kinds of goals would, would never let themselves do it. And they were always waiting for this day when circumstances came together so that they could do it and they could do it properly. Whereas the people who had a very small goal that felt to them like, oh yeah, I can do that. Even if I didn't sleep that well, it's fine. I can do that. And, and it doesn't, and you know, even if they didn't do more than that goal, but if that goal say writing for 20 minutes or writing 200 words or even a paragraph or any of those, you know, something that felt not huge, but also not intimidating and let them sit down and do that you know, every day, five days a week or, or, you know, three days a week or whatever they had chosen for themselves, if they felt like, yes, I can do this without stress and fear, they were writing more consistently. And then what happened over time is that we all started to trust ourselves and we started to trust that, oh yeah, when I set a goal, I can do it. I'm able to get this done. And so knowing what that amount that's meaningful yet measurable in a revision, then you start to be able to say, oh yeah, I can plan how long this is going to take. And so I can be confident if I make a map and have these steps and I know how much ground I can cover in a way that's not stressful or draining to myself, then I can trust that this will happen. And then what that evolves into is this feeling that the book is inevitable that the book is going to happen and that it isn't as hard as we thought to get it done. At least that has been my experience. And I've watched this happening for people in the quarantine writers retreat as well. And so what I then went on to do was to <laughs> break my addiction to thinking that there's some piece of software or some tool or some bell and whistle item that's going to kind of take any of the parts of, of this revision process that are too scary for me away and protect me from having to do them and just figured out how to make the one I was already using and very happy with, which is Scrivener into the perfect tool for revision. And so I built a system inside of Scrivener, which I love and you don't need to get anything else. You know, if you, if you have Scrivener, you don't need to get anything else. There is a way to map out your revision and it's built for it. It just takes a little bit of tweaking. And I have to send big thanks to Tasha Harrison, who was on the quarantine writers retreat and talked a little bit about how she has used it. So that was definitely a big inspiration point to see that yes, people do make Scrivener into the perfect revision container and it's absolutely doable. 
And so that was a big breakthrough that happened. And so then I've been able to keep coming back to these goals and work on my book for 90 minutes a day, maybe two hours max, and still know that when I get to the end of May, the revision will be done. And well, at least this draft will be, <laughs> there will probably be another one. But again, I will have made that step towards the wall of what I want the book to be. And the next time it will be a smaller distance. Every time it's going to be a smaller distance. And this has been invaluable to figure out and to know, oh, okay, I can do this. And it's interesting that whenever we get to a new skill set, all of the unconscious gunk that held us back in the previous step returns. And it feels just as scary as it was before. So for those of us who have written a first draft, all of this fear was present in the sense of, oh, who am I to write a book? What if my idea is not any good? How am I going to do this? I don't know how to get this done. I don't know about structure. I didn't get an MFA. You know, all of these things that come up, all of those things are there. And yet you figure out how to give the critic a different job or distract it or any other number of techniques that I've employed to get the critic to leave you alone so you can just write that first draft. And it feels like, great, I've mastered this. I can do it. I've got it down now. But then you go on to the next skill of revision and all of those fears are back and we have to conquer them again. I wish if somebody knows, please post this in the comments below the show notes for the episode at secretlibrarypodcast.com. I read somewhere and I would love to credit the person who came up with this idea because it's brilliant that they saw writing and creative challenges very much like a video game. And I can show my age, but I've already said I'm over 40, so it's not that big a deal. But I, the only video game I ever attempted to play was Super Mario Brothers. And after that, I realized how terrible I was at it. And I really would prefer to read anyway. But the way that that game and so many others is structured is that at the end of each level, there's a boss you have to beat. And then when you finish the first level and you beat that boss, you go up to the next level, but there's still a boss at the end. And this boss is scarier or more inventive or has fancier tools or, you know, there's two of them or whatever it is. And so each time you get to that, it feels like, oh no, I'm, I'm back to the beginning. I haven't learned everything. I'm, I'm hopeless. How am I going to get this done? But all it is, is that, you know, you already did the first level of drafting or coming up with an idea or deciding you were allowed to write or whatever your first level was. And then you went to the next level of drafting it. And now you're on to the revision level. And so the boss at the end of that level looks different. And so it's just a new challenge. And when you beat it, there will be another one. And that will be, you know, the proofreading one or the, am I going to publish this myself or send it to an agent one, or then it will be the publishing deal or the formatting the book yourself or whatever the next step will be. There will be another boss. And I think it helps to know that that's coming. So you don't feel bad when it shows up because all it is, is another opportunity to grow and learn and transform. 
So that's part of the reason um, those of you who are on the newsletter list will know that recently I changed the company identity. We used to be, I mean, the Secret Library podcast is obviously staying the same, but I used to do all of my coaching work as the book doctor. And that was because I wrote a blog starting in 2012 where people would write in and ask for book recommendations. And so that seemed like a good a good identity for me. And over the years, um, I wondered if it was the right fit. I saw that other people had websites and it was something that book restorers used. And then I, I learned that there was someone working as the book doctor and she'd been doing it longer than me and was also helping writers. So it became clear that I needed to shift. And what I realized, particularly over the last few months and working with the Quarantine Writers Retreat and all of the wonderful people joining there, as well as my own process, is that really what I love about books and what I love about writing and what I love about revision is the transformation aspect. And it's not just about how you transform the book. It's about how you yourself are transformed in the process of writing the book. Because, you know, let's face it, in the best case scenario, if you write a book and it takes you several years to write, possibly more than several, and then someone buys this book in a bookstore and takes it home, they might read it in as little as two days. They might read it, you know, on one plane flight. No one is ever going to spend as much time reading your book as you spent writing it. With the exception of, um, I know people who have had their books adapted into screenplays and you may get a really sympathetic screenwriter who feels like they spend as much time on your book as you did, but that's probably the only circumstance. And, and so we have to be sure that we set ourselves up to get as much out of the process of writing it for ourselves as the writer, as we want the reader to get out of it. Of course, we want the reader to be happy. And of course, that's our goal. But we also need to grow. And I realized that for me, writing books is an alchemical process. We take a story and an idea and we transform that idea, that experience, that feeling, whatever it is, into words that a reader can consume. That's an alchemical transformation. But the one that I'm interested in even more is what happens to the writer during the period of time we're working on that book and how we're changed and how we are not the same after having explored this idea. And not just that, but we're not the same after we learn that we are absolutely capable of writing this book and that it's something that we can break down into manageable yet meaningful steps. And it's something that we can accomplish. That's alchemical also. And then when the reader takes the book and reads it, it's alchemical for them because all of us have read books and finished them and realized we weren't the same people afterwards for having read them. That's absolutely something I have been fortunate to experience many times. And so ideally, it's alchemical on multiple levels. You know, the story becoming the book, the author experiencing the story becoming the book, and the reader experiencing the book, you know, coming in contact with their, their lives. And so that felt better to me. And so that is the name that has 
been the one that the coaching will go forward with. And I'm really pleased with it. And so we are coming to the end of season two. We will be back with season three in the fall. I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm not going to tell you the topic yet, even though I know what it is. And I've already got some guests lined up, which is really exciting. But I want to stay connected. I want to stay in relationship to you and your writing to know what's happening with you. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on with Book Alchemy, what's going on with um, this the Secret Library podcast. I was going to say Story Arcana, but that's um, that's a different story. And so I wanted to share some ways we can stay connected over the next few months before we come back with another season. And I already gave a, a gushy thank you to the patrons of the show, but I want to bring them up again because that community has been growing and it's wonderful to see. And I encourage you if you want to stay connected and to, you know, be a part of a really kick-ass community, that is a really great place to start. It's at patreon.com slash secret library. And while we've all been staying at home, I have changed the structure of the benefits a little bit. And we've just been doing a, a live Zoom gathering monthly for everybody who's in the Patreon. Um, so far, we're still kind of intimate enough that it's doable. And of course, not everybody is able to show up every time, but I try to make the time zone doable. It's tough for Australia. So I'm really sorry to everyone there. It's just very difficult living in Europe to get the US, the uh, the EU and Australia all in the same place when everybody's awake. Um, I'm not even sure if there's an hour that does it, you kind of have to do separate times. So that's been a challenge. So if you're in Australia, I'm sorry. Um, but people do submit questions for the Q&A episode, which I record separately and you can listen to at any time if you're in that level. But if you want to stay connected, that community is really beautiful. I highly recommend it and would love to see you over there. And the other, the other announcement I can give you is that um, the next draft course is open. And I didn't want to leave you at the end of this season feeling like you had a lot of nice ideas but no practical steps to take in order to complete your own revision. I mean, it's all well and good to hear about other people revising their books, but if you have a manuscript that needs to be revised, I didn't want to leave you hanging. So I put this course together. I'm really proud of it. It's five lessons and I give you lots of time in between each one. You get two weeks between each one to work on your book and to do the stuff that I'm recommending in each of the lessons. That was my biggest critique when I've taken stuff is that people are so eager to give you so much content, but then they're getting delivered, you know, all at once or once a week. And and I just felt perpetually behind. And again, to go back to that, you want manageable and meaningful to be the sweet spot that you're living in. And if you have a sense of success when engaging with your book and you orchestrate everything so that you have a sense of success every time you deal with your writing, I mean, that's a high goal. It's not going to be 100%, but if it's 90% that you feel like, yeah, I wrote those two sentences or those two paragraphs, or I wrote for 20 minutes today, I can check it off and I did a good job. I want you to feel that way every time you come to your writing. 
So I set this course up so to the best of my ability that you can have that feeling when working on your revision. And there is... Apologies to those of you listening much, much later than May 2020, but through um, through May 20th, you will get the special Corona price, and then the price is going up um, to what I originally intended for it to be. But I wanted to give people a chance while they're at home to get this at a discount because I know people are in tricky circumstances. So enjoy. And I hope that that is meaningful. And for those of you who've listened to this whole season, still in a place of wondering, oh God, am I ever going to get to the point where I need any of this information? It's like, am I ever going to get something done that I'm going to revise? I, I want you to know that you will. And all you have to do is apply all of this measurable yet meaningful and manageable ideas and put those in place and go forward with your idea. But I got so many requests from people in the, the quarantine writers retreat to create something for people beginning a draft so that they could get to the point where they needed all of this information. And so that is my next project. And that's going to be coming out very, very soon. The best way to stay in touch about it is to join the newsletter footnotes um, you can do that either at secretlibrarypodcast.com and click the newsletter button, or you can go to carolinedonahue.com and also click the newsletter button. There's even a place to sign up actually on the homepage if you scroll down. But if you're on that list, then you'll be updated as to what's going on with the quarantine writers retreat. You'll be able to know when the new course is coming out, when I'm doing um, actually a lot more webinars in the coming time. I've been asked by a bunch of people to do content for them. So as much as those are available to the public, I'm going to keep you up to date on that because I'll be talking more about revision, getting your draft done, all of these things. And I'm really, really looking forward to a few months of creating things for you and also getting started with season three, which will be back in September. And most of all, I want to say thank you for being here and thank you for listening and thank you for letting me ask these questions and get in touch with these incredible writers and have the opportunity to speak to them. Because if there was no you, there would be no show and I wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody who sent me a message either this season or before. Thank you if you're going to send me a message in the future saying that the show has helped you. You have no idea how much those messages mean. It is so, so, it's just such a warm, fuzzy, delightful experience to get a message from someone saying that this show was helpful to them because I feel like I do it because I want to know the answers to the questions I'm asking. That's what I'm trying to find out. But if I get to help someone else in the process, then that makes it even better. And so it's been really moving and inspiring to get those messages in particular this season. And as we build the Patreon community, we're having more kind of ongoing open conversations with people about what's coming up for them, what's useful for them. And so I feel more connected, which I'm finding so, so satisfying. And I would love to know more about what's going on with you, what's going on with your writing. You can find me 
on social media. I'm mostly on Instagram, to be honest. Um, I'm definitely most active on there. And I'm at Carol Donahue on there. I do kind of flirt with Twitter a little bit, but I, I don't stay there all the time. I find it a little bit big and noisy for this introvert. I find that Instagram suits me better. And if you're interested in kind of back episodes of the Quarantine Writers Retreat, as the technology has allowed us to, we have recorded those sessions and posted the recordings on the Secret Library Podcast Facebook page. So if you haven't been aware of the Quarantine Writers Retreat that's been happening, you haven't missed everything, don't worry. You can go to facebook.com slash secret library podcast, and there's a video playlist there of all of the all of the episodes that we were able to record. And a lot of them are, are ones I'm really pleased with. You kind of have to deal with uh, the recording has this problem where it's never quite clear to me when it starts. It says it's starting for about a full minute. So I end up saying things at the very beginning of each of these videos, like, are, is it going to work? Are we there? Are we not there? Are we there? Okay. Are we live? I don't know. So I apologize for those, <laughs> those moments at the beginning, but because we're doing them five days a week, I, I don't have the, um, the team in place to kind of do the Marie Forleo and, and make it look like a highly produced, um, highly produced show with intros and all kinds of stuff. It's still pretty, um, it's still pretty homegrown, but we're, we're coming along. And I think I still like it that way. I still like having this real kind of, you're getting the real deal feeling. I want you all to see all of that and get that, get that inside, inside information. So I think we'll leave it there. I think we'll leave this season there. I'm honored to present all of these interviews to you. I hope they've been meaningful and let's stay in touch. I'll see you around. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.